Thank you for listening to the Keystone Church Podcast. For more information about us, you can visit us at mykeystonechurch.com. So I like old school pages because I am old school. And I found that out yesterday about how old school I am because I'm 46 and almost 47. I decided at 46 year old it's time to play baseball. I'm not sure what I was thinking because I went and to the batting cages and started throwing the ball and I haven't played baseball since high school and I am feeling it this morning. (laughs) Holy cow. And I went in the batting cages. We have wooden bats now and and this ball looked like a ping pong ball coming at me. I'm like, you know, I got to stretch out and all this stuff and oh, I'm not 20 years old anymore. So, um, so we're going to look at John 18, and does anybody mind reading? I need two readers, really. They're like three or four verses. Nathan, do you mind reading John 18, 15 through 18? Okay. And somebody else would, wouldn't mind reading John 18, 25 through 27. All right, Nathan, got it? Yeah, 18. Uh, John 18, yep. 15 through 18. Okay, just to state the obvious, what's going on is, yeah, Silas. Yeah, good. Um, It's probably warm or cold outside. Probably cold. Why? Yep, standing around the fire. And who who approached him? Yeah, probably a hundred and five pound girl said, are you his disciple? No. I mean, I'm just saying, who knows how much she weighed, right? But a girl, and Peter had just cut off an ear, right? Or um, so, and then they (laughs) saw Jesus put it back on. So it's not like Peter's this pansy of a guy. I mean, he's a fisherman. So (laughs) what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help you enter into the story. We're not just to read this, read the verses like they're words, just that aren't active, right? I'm trying to help you enter in. Okay, so the second one, who had that, Dave? Or okay, uh, Peter denied it the first time, but Lord, so at that very time, Jesus 
Okay, so obviously, again, what's going on here? So, Alice, you got it? Perfect. Man, come on. Nice. Was was Peter really excited about this at the point? Like, is he like, no, I'm not. How do you think Peter responded when he was asked, does it tell you? Yeah, so if he's swearing, he's probably not like, no. <laughs> no, he's upset. Like, I mean, he is passionately like, no. I'm not. Stop asking. And remember, Peter had just said to Jesus before this, what was the discussion Jesus and Peter had? Do you guys remember? Silas, you got it? So what do you think, like, he hears the rooster crow. What do you think he's feeling, P uh, Silas? Um, he's probably feeling like, oh, oh, I just said what Jesus said I would. And I didn't. So I don't think he's Jesus can't be Jesus. You want to go ahead and just take the rest? <laughs> 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 I'll just, seriously, like, you got it, man. Good. Good word. So he's probably not real excited right now. Yeah, it's good. Okay, we're going to look at John 21. That just kind of sets the stage. So um, between here and there, there's a lot, there's quite a bit that went, went on, right? So we had um, Jesus was sentenced to be crucified, and then um, the crucifixion happened, the burial of Jesus happened, crucifixion, death, burial, um, the resurrection of Jesus. And then Jesus appeared to Mary of Magdalene. And then he appeared to his disciples. Remember, his disciples were locked up into a room because they were afraid of the Jews. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears, and he says, peace be still. First of all, he would have to say that to me because I'd be freaking out that somebody just appeared into a room that was locked. That's why I'm thinking he said, peace be still. It is I. And I would be like, Jesus, stop doing that. You're scaring me to death. But keep doing it because we're going to see you, right? So it's just, the scripture just... It's just fun like that, like, peace be still, guys. So, and then, it's interesting, like, this is not part of the message I want to talk about it, but it's, it, it is interesting. The first thing that Jesus said when he saw Mary Magdalene, and then he also appeared to the, the in the room, the upper room, was not to his disciple or to them. He didn't say, like, uh, what he said to Mary Magdalene was, was, go tell my brothers what you saw. He didn't say, go tell those filthy rats who never got it for the last three years and didn't understand it, who ran away from me, what you just saw. He said, man, go tell my brothers. He's like, these guys are my brothers. I've been with them for so long, and I haven't changed my mind about them at all. And then he appears in the room, and he doesn't say, hey, you filthy rats. <laughs> right? He says, peace, be still. And you'll see that three different times. If you go back and read that, you'll see Jesus saying to them, peace. And he's speaking to their heart, right? Peace be still. So John 21, we're going to pick up there. Um, I don't mind reading. Does anybody want to read? We're going to go through John 21, 1. And um, somebody wants to stop at like 6. 1 through sin, 1 through 6. Anybody got that? Okay. 
That's awesome. So what's happening in here is Peter and the boys are out fishing again. Now just think about it. So we just read that Peter just denied Jesus three times. So what does Peter go and do? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, that's about to happen. Dude, you are, oh, seriously. Good job, Silas. Why do you think he went fishing? That's what he knew. That's what he knew to do. I can't do this other thing right, so mm -hmm. I might as well fish. Yeah. Could have been hungry. Yep. But it is. Like, uh, this is the one thing I feel comfortable and safe doing. So I didn't get the, that right whole three years like <laughs> the apex of the whole last three years was me denying Jesus so I'm gonna go back to what I know how to do that's what we tend to do right as humans like man I, I blew it or I'm not capable or something confronts us that's difficult and it shakes us up a little bit we usually go to what's known and what's comfortable because it's, it's what I know how to do so that's where we find Jesus or that's where we find Peter and it's interesting they're on a boat and I was thinking about, like, um, what would I name, what would I name this time? Um, what would I name the feeling? What would I name what Peter's going through? What would I name that boat they're on? Any ideas, like, where he's at in his heart? What would you name this season in Peter's life? I mean, I've got an idea, so... Um, I'm not looking for a right answer. I'm actually looking for us just to process. That's good. Hardship. I think maybe regret. He looks back. Mm -hmm. Regret. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's a good one. Crushing. Crushing. Yeah, crushing. So he's on this boat that's called Hardship. Hardship. You know how boats have names on the back? He's on a boat that's called hardship, hardship, disappointment, regret. Somebody else said something else. Or was that all of them? Crushing. Crushing. So that's the name of the boat. Because that's where these guys are. And isn't it interesting that Jesus shows up in the disappointment? And Jesus shows up in the crushing. And Jesus shows up in the hardship. And Jesus shows up in the regret. And he, it's not like uh, intimidating to Jesus. He's like, I'm going to go right in the midst of where they are. And I'm going to speak to their heart. So this whole John chapter 21, some of your, uh, like at the top it'll say, Jesus reinstates Peter. That's what's going on. Is Jesus is going right to the heart of the matter in Peter and probably all the other guys too. So, um, okay. Any other thoughts, comments on that? Things you're thinking the Lord's showing you? I don't want to move too quickly. Good. Yeah. I just was gonna say Peter's always he's very in or out. Like he's 
you do notice in scripture with that things shift after this story. Yeah, he doesn't really yeah. do that right? anymore. Yeah, isn't that cool? And then Pentecost happens and it really shifts. Mm-hmm. Like an axe and That's a good point. Yeah, like fear came on him, I'm sure. He was in fear. Yeah, I know it. I'd be talking about something different today, probably. (laughs) Um, Okay, let's keep going. Um, uh, Verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John. Interesting, because he wrote this. He's like, I, you know, I can't just say myself. Uh, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. It's the king. So they're on this boat, and, and they, he recognizes him. Like, man, if we're going to haul in this much fish, that's nobody but Jesus. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. Why didn't he just keep on fishing? Like, if you're living in your hurt, your woundedness, there's probably a temptation to be like, and now i got to go face him. I think it's interesting. He just didn't take time. He's like, it is the Lord. And he just jumps in. Like, almost naked. Like, I don't have time for this. I'm just, I'm jumping in. The other disciples followed in the boat. <laughs> They're like, I'm not jumping. That's cold water. So we're going to fall in the boat. Towing the net uh, full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. Look at this. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Do you remember we just talked about uh them being around coals have you ever thought about that peter denied jesus remember remember around the fire and now we're seeing again where where are they you think it's by accident i mean i think that verse is in there for a reason i think jesus is setting peter up what do you think is going on i've always been fascinated by that i have some ideas but i'm just curious what are you guys thinking Yeah. Around the fire. Yes. So it's like a 
good, Nathan. Good. It's a good point. So three times Jesus or Peter denied Jesus, and now you see it around the the, the fire again. He asks him three times. There's a connection there, and you're on it. He's healing his heart. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, because they went through the whole night and didn't catch anything, and then, yeah, yeah. Now, it, was, it was in the morning again. Uh huh. Good man, amen, amen. Okay, verse 10. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. So, from that verse, is a very interesting thing we need to learn from that is that fishermen are so proud of how many fish they catch, they will count every one of them and make sure it's in the scripture. <laughs> to 153 to be exact. thing is they couldn't take any credit for it, right? But I think that's just funny. We had 153 to be exact. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. So it's probably this thing with Jesus' resurrected body that, like, because Mary didn't recognize him, Mary Magdalene as soon, like he thought he was the gardener. So there's a different like thing going on with the appearance of Jesus. But we do know that he still had his nail-scarred hands and the side because Thomas reached out and touched him. Remember that? So we know that's still going on there. But um, it's, I think that's interesting. Like they didn't even ask. They knew it was him. Uh, Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. And did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? So if you look back when Jesus first called Peter as his disciples, he said the very similar. He said, Simon, son of John. So it's interesting, Jesus uses uh, the same name here um, that he first called him. So if you look back in Matthew, it says, Jesus said, hey, Simon, son of John, right? We know that he changed his name later to Cephas, which means Peter, the rock. Um, so I think he's saying, Simon, I know your name. 
I, I think that's my kids, by the way. I can hear you. <laughs> no, I don't hear anything. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know whose kids those are. <laughs> that must be David's. <laughs> David, go parent your kids. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's calling by name. He's like, I know you. Your name is not disappointment. He's calling him by his name. So there's things whenever I was little, either a teacher or a coach or a parent or you know, a relative or whatever, I had this inward talk where I had a name for myself. And if I made a mistake, I would, it was like, man, you, you idiot. Mine was, you idiot. And that was my inner self-talk. And that we don't realize is there's more to that. And I think we sometimes, like, it may seem playful, but sometimes there's more to that than just me calling myself an idiot when I fail. Jesus is not doing that here. He's calling him, I see you, John, or Peter, um, Simon, son of John. I know who you are. And then he says to him, in the Greek, the, the word love there, because love has, like, four different, definitions right it has agape which is unconditional love and then so i'm talking about the greek word for love which sometimes we, we miss we miss like the depth of it um so actually jesus uses here the word agape which means he says simon simon son of john do you truly love me with an unconditional like deep love for me that's what jesus is asking peter right here um, and then the phileo love is more of like a brotherly love, like a friendship love. And then there's uh, eros love, which is romantic love. And then there's another one, and I've just escaped me. So, uh, but those three, the first three of them, the main ones that are mentioned in scripture. So in this one, it's agape. And what is Jesus asking? Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What are these? He could be saying, do you love me more than these men love me? Do you love me more than these men? So do you love me more than you love John? Or do you love me more than John loves me? Do you see the difference? See what I'm saying? Or he may be saying, do you love me more than these, the fishing gear, the, the job that you just went back to? Do you love me more than that? This is not condemning. He's going to right to the heart. He's stepping into the disappointment. And he's saying, to, he's saying to Peter, I have never lost track of you on your worst day. Amen. Come on. Anybody had a really bad day and you're like, man, I am out of the will of God. Something's going on here. And I am not, I must not have favor. And then all of a sudden the sweet tenderness and, and sometimes the fierceness of God comes in and says, I have never lost track of you. And forgot about you on your worst day. I know your name. I know who you are. And your name is not disappointment. Your name is not regret. Your name is not crushing. If your feelings and what just happened to you, your experiences are saying this is who you are. Uh, my mentor, Ravi, some you guys heard him speak. He, he said something the other day that I will never forget. He said, experiences are only half-truths. So often we will interpret our life and the truth by what we go through. And experiences don't contain the whole truth. Sometimes we're missing the interpretation of what we just experienced. So we have an experience and we, 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 uh, we define our life and we define truth by what we just experienced. 
And sometimes we're missing about 50% of it because we don't have the clear picture of what's really going on, either in the spiritual realm, what God's actually forming or fashioning, what's going to happen out of this. So just because we had an experience doesn't mean that this is the truth there is. Sometimes we're missing the interpretation of what just happened. Does that make sense? So we have to have clear, accurate interpretation. But sometimes with that, as you guys have heard me say, sometimes we don't get the understanding. We just get the grace and the peace of Jesus. That I don't understand this right now, but I know that you have not given up on me on my worst day. And this, I think, is where Peter is. He's calling them out. I see you. I see you. I see you, Don. Uh, or Simon. But do you love me? And so how does... Any, any thoughts on that before I move on? You guys fo following me, tracking me? Okay. Uh huh. And I always, I always like when you talk about it feels like family to me to sit at somebody's table and help them out because I, I love people that are like bigger than me, mm. right? And it's always food centered. Mm -hmm. Meat around food, a friend around food, and you know, like Dawn has said, she's at the table before us and she's at the table next to us. Mm. There is something about a love that you exchange around breaking bread that I think doesn't happen. Amen. Come on. In other places. <laughs> and, and I just love, I love That's that good. he invited him to a place that's probably an environment that him and, and Peter had encountered really good conversation and fellowship in the past. Yes. And so, yes, it was around fire, but there was food on the fire. Right? Amen. That's good. And I also love that there were already fish there. That he wasn't like, hey, grab a couple fish off the boat and bring them here. Mm -hmm. But he was already ready to go mm -hmm. to bring that nourishment. Yeah. So this is, so there's some intentionality here. A lot of intentionality. That's not, I never thought about that, Catherine. That's really, really good. And I say amen to the food. The Yes. The marriage supper of the lamb is going to have peach cobbler. Yeah. If it's bedazzled with glitter, I'm going to think I'm in the wrong place. I, I hate glitter. Glitter is not from Jesus. The fact that they were fishing again. How this whole thing started, and he had said, "Hey guys, I'm going to make some fishers of men. Mm. I, I, I don't intend for you to continue to be fishermen." Mm -hmm. And that's what they went back to. Yes. So yeah, it could have on. been a time for Jesus for a mild admonish admonishment. Mm. I mean, you saw me die. Came back, upper room, Holy Spirit is there. I had said, "Wait there until you get filled with power," and you did. Cool. Mm -hmm. So that was good. But then, you go back to fishing. Hmm. He doesn't do that. You know, so in our life, there's so many times where there's an opportunity, and, and we expect, maybe, that Jesus is going to you know, stamp our butt a bit, but he doesn't, hmm. because he loves us so much. Hmm. And, and, and in fact, he turns it all around back into love. Hmm. You know, do you love me? And then he, then he goes back to what he called him to. He told you to be fishers of men. Mm -hmm. if, if you love me, then feed my sheep. Mm -hmm. That's what I told you. Mm. That's good. I was thinking the same thing about how Christ met them and spent three years kind of pointing these arrows towards his mission, towards his target. And then he dies and you're coming to go, Fred left. And they're like, I can't do the mission. I can't do this. 
kept telling Brady, cuz she's taking the marathon, she's gonna finish it, she passed. And I'm like, "You've done." And he shows up at the shore, and he's like, "Yo, let's, I'm sending you back. Let's recalibrate that compass. This is the direction I need you to go." [laughs] And he does it in love. Cuz he could have been like [noise] "I just put this work in for nothing, y'all." Like, "I didn't quit the temple." I'm sure I could whip you guys. [laughs] Like, I'm here to say I pointed you north stay true. Like, you know the mission, and just because you failed cuz like, I I love me some Peter. And that failure piece is heart. She was complete disqualified. But for Christ to come and say "I pointed you north. Stay true. Stay on track. You're gonna get there." This is the mission. This is the direction. I know you're gonna bother me. But just keep keep going. Have momentum, keep going forward. Cuz failure does its thing to you. Just keep going. And I love that. And I love that he did it in love. Because it's not what you'd expect. And that's who got it. Like, that's me. Like, I love that quote. [laughs] Um, Yeah, he's cu- he's he's touching a point in um In Peter that I picked this up when you were talking about first time you spoke. You said he's calling out there Well, I made a note; he's calling out their first love. Yeah. So he's doing it in love and then he's calling out them Do Peter do you you love me? [noise] So Peter had a choice. To stick with this appointment and what he knew or to be like, "No, I know." "Everything in me is saying I'm disqualified." Every all of my emotions and my beliefs and everything is saying I've blown it so bad. But there's this little piece in me like, deep down You know the the psalmist? So deep calls in the deep. Or sometimes we gotta go past our thoughts, our brain Our emotions, what we feel, what we touch, what we see to what's really true of like "No, I love him." Because he first loved me. So I don't feel it right now. Everything's telling me I'm way off track. And if you are way off track, you gotta deal with that. Right? You know, don't be dishonest with where your heart is. But at the same time he comes into it. Your sin is not intimidating to Jesus because He who knew no sin became sin so that we could have the righteousness of God. That's second Corinthians five eight. K, let's keep going. So, right uh Jesus says "Peter, do you agape love me?" More than these. And he says, "Yes, Lord." He said, "You know that I love you." And it's interesting, many of you know this, but Peter responds with a different word for love. Yes, he says Because he's looking back at his failure, right? He's gotta look Jesus in the eye and say 
yeah, Jesus, you know that we're we're pretty good. I uh, have a high affection for you. Uh, what's another way of saying that? Jesus, you know that we're really good friends. So why did, to state the obvious, why did Peter respond that way to Jesus' question of, do you burn with passion for love for me? What's G- what is Peter attached to right now? He's connected to disappointment as qualification. Is Jesus? I'm going to blow it again. Honestly, anybody been there? Come on. But I'm, I'm, I didn't see you actually come through last time. And I really thought I was committed to you. And I'm not sure that I'm where I am, where I need to be. I'm like on the JV team sitting on the bench of Christianity right now. Right? Like, I am JV Christian. are developing a good servant. <laughs> so good. He jumped out of the boat because Jesus is there. Okay, so where do we get to? Um, okay, so he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I have an affection for you, a deep affection, brotherly love. And Jesus said, well, take care of my sheep. So, uh, Raul, right? He, very good point on, like, what you had said earlier. This is where Jesus is saying, I've called you to be fishers of men. So he's reinstating his calling and his purpose. Right? So the enemy hates joy and the enemy hates purpose. When we know our purpose and we're walking in our purpose, and if we're not, Jesus will remind us of it. Even on our worst day, I've not lost sight of why you're here. Do you remember the verse that says, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost it's to restore back what was lost in the garden not just lost people yes lost people but that which was lost our purpose our reason for being on the earth our identity our destiny 
God in us. Man, God's just looking at you. If I could get in that person. It's like the Old Testament longed for the day of like, you mean God will dwell in us again? And then we have it. We don't know what we have. We live out of our soul level. Soul level and this is where Peter is. He's living out of his thoughts, his emotions, and his experiences. And Jesus is bypassing all of that and going right to his heart and says, I see you. So if that's something we could get today is like Jesus says, I know your name, Daniel. I see you. I've never lost sight of you, Daniel. I'm in it, right? Dave, Ryan, Nathan, my good brother with the awesome shoes. Hold on to those because I like those shoes. Hope, all of us. Right, I could just go through the whole room. Never lost sight of you. I know your name. Okay, I have got to land this ship. So at some point, you can say, Keith, land the plane. All right, lastly, here we go. Verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? It shifts right here. The third time he is that he is Jesus said to Simon, son of John, he actually uses the word phileo here. So the first two times, Jesus uses the word agape, and then he switches it on the third time. And then, and we're going to talk about that, and then Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you, phileo, love me? Like, do you love me with a brotherly affection? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you like a brother. So do you see that in the, the Passion Translation? Yeah, okay, there you go. Yep. So he switches it. So what happened? Why did Jesus switch it? Any thoughts on that? So Jesus was saying, do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me unconditionally? And the third time he says, do you phileo love me, Peter? Do you have at least great affection for me? And then Peter was hurt. And then Peter responds with, man, Jesus, you know that I have a burning passion for you. Why did Jesus switch it on him? I'm asking for help. I think in some ways Jesus was saying, you know, Peter assigned me to his denial. He also assigned me to his own capacity to love people. Mm -hmm. And I think Peter finally got a, a realistic a realistic view of what he was capable of. Like, I can't love you perfectly. Mm -hmm. I lo I'm going to love you as much as I can because mm -hmm. I know finally I'm not going to keep trying to put myself up here. Like, this is, this is where I really am at. But I think in, in some ways what Jesus was doing was saying, that's enough. Like, you don't have to perfectly love me to be released to be my true love. Mm -hmm. So, that's good, Dave. could be that the answer, I've, I've done a little bit of research, is simply that truly when you read, especially John, um, that those terms for love are just interchanged very, very often, and, and they don't necessarily have this huge meaning. On the other hand, it could mean that, you know, 
Jesus was saying agape, Peter says phileo. Jesus said agape, he says phileo. And Jesus says, okay, then we'll go with phileo. Do you really phileo me? Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, I'll use your term. Which mm-hmm. then, you know, which I think is kind of really what was happening there. He's like, okay, let's not use my term. Let's use yours. Do you phileo me? Because mm-hmm. he was saying he did. And Jesus was obviously, he's doing some major heart surgery. Somebody asked me, do I love him? I go, yeah, I love you. Mm-hmm. And he's going, do you love me? Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, man, you're just, you're just tearing me up here. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus is doing some surgery on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's healing him, right? Because he's like, uh, I'll meet you on your boat at this appointment, but I'll also meet you where you are, right? Like you say you phileo love me. I'm going to meet you right there. I'm going to meet you. I'm going to go there with you. It's interesting that they that Peter fell low. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have the whole. Mm-hmm. And they tried to, like, let me give you a break. Let me give you everything I've got. Let me give you a baby shower. And it's like when your kids have, you know, been on the bouncing and stuff, you're like, okay, but let's talk about the music or whatever. Sorry, it's my kids now. But <laughs> <laughs> or, or they, you're like, okay, let's have a dance party. And they're like, Yeah, one thing I don't think he's saying, which I've heard, is if you love me, go prove it. I don't no, actually think that's what is going on. Do you? No. I think he's saying, I have called you to do this. Yeah. You're not disqualified. Now, I'm meeting you where you are. Because he actually had just said before this happened, he breathed Holy Spirit on them, mm-hmm. right? And then he also later told them to wait for Pentecost. Mm-hmm. So he's empowering him to go do what he's designed and destined to do. Mm-hmm. So he has, a, he has a choice to stay in disappointment, live in his past failures, which is where the enemy is, right? Mm-hmm. The enemy does not see our future. The enemy works in shame. So if this is a timeline, which my amazing phone is, this is just such a great, like, <laughs> I got to work on my, uh, anyway. So if this is, <laughs> what's that? Yes. <laughs> Somebody said I came here. Is that you? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll tell you. This is going long. So if this is your timeline of your life, the enemy always keeps you working backwards at your mistakes. When the enemy is always doing that, when Jesus is like, no, I know you. I'm calling into your purpose. So don't bite the lie. Don't take the lie. Right. So... Some of us, man, I, I know. Like, I know part of our stories. I know my story, and I know my disappointment. And um, one of the things that, as you mature in Christ, the enemy no longer, like, he, he's like, I can, I'm not going to get them in adultery or fornication or whatever, but I am going to get them in guilt and shame, and I'll take them out that way. So he changes strategies sometimes in us. He'll move into your identity and take you out that way. Like, you're, you ha- are disqualified. If he gets you a point of where you're disqualified, you're not going to be able to worship. You're not going to be able to serve. You're not going to be able to feed the lambs because you feel useless and unworthy to do so. 
And that's not the gospel. Jesus paid a high price to set us free from all that so we can just come as we are. And he meets us there. Right? So some of you need to hear him calling your name again. Or just ask him, Jesus, I need you to hear. I need to hear your voice. I need to hear your tenderness in my stuff. You need to call my name again. So any final wrap-ups with that? Silas, you're right on, brother. That's awesome. Yeah, he's he's given a clean slate and say, I don't remember that. I know, I mean, I know you. I see the real you. That's awesome. Good job, Silas. Um, yeah, and he also used. He didn't come in with darkness. Jesus didn't come with darkness. He he battled um, Peter's dark place with light. Jesus always brings light into darkness. He does not bring more dark. He brings light into your darkness. So, may I pray for us? So, Holy Spirit, we just thank you, Jesus. Father, Daddy, we just thank you. I ask, Lord, you would bring the revelation, even deeper revelation than what we just spoke about this morning. God, I pray you would personalize it for each one of us like you do, Holy Spirit. You are our comforter. You are our teacher. Um... I, I pray that you would uh, bring hope in hurting um, places of disappointment and disqualification. God, you would say, Keith, son of Dennis, I see you and I have never lost sight of who you are, even on your worst day. God, that's grace and it gives me space to get up again. It empowers me to righteous living. It empowers me to embrace you again. It empowers me to jump off the boat and go swimming, go after you. Not to just stay on a boat, like just to really go after you again. It empowers me. Like and Adam and Eve, when they, when they fell, you came and said, where are you? I'm looking for you. It empowers me when you come looking for me to say, yes, Jesus, what great love. Of course I love you. Because you love me, I cannot escape it. I don't always feel it. I don't always sense it. I don't even sometimes feel like I see it in the world. But Jesus, deep down inside, I know you are faithful even when I feel faithless. And I worship your name. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.